0: Welcome to the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Back Nine Report, presented by eDraft.com. We go live every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and checking on the world of golf to bring you the latest news, insights, analysis, interviews, recaps, previews. Hey, we cover anything and everything golf. My name is Carlos Torres, and every week I'm alongside my co-host Fred Alveder. Fred, hi, how are you today?
0: Fantastic, Carlos. Um, Glad to have you back this week. We missed you last week. And you know what? We have had a week to accept the notion that Donald Trump will be our next president. But you know what? Time has not made it any less unbelievable. As I keep telling you, Carlos, Toledo, Ohio is the center of the golf universe. That was proven again last week as Inverness was awarded the 2021 Solheim Cup. And we're going to talk more about that later in the show. In other golf news this week, Tim Finch will turn the reins of the PGA Tour over to Jay Monaghan at the end of the year. Paul Goitis won the tournament, but Bernard Langer won his third, I'm sorry, his fourth Charles Schwab Cup, third consecutive. Pat Perez won in Mexico on the PGA Tour. And Alex Noren won the second leg of the race to Dubai final series in South Africa. We're talking golf from South Africa to Mexico as well as the United States. So we got a lot to cover this week, Carlos.
1: So let's go. Let's go. And like you said, we're going to have a very special topic this week. We're going to talk three things. We're going to talk Solheim Cup 2021, and we're going to have Stacey Lewis and Jud Solheim. So you don't want to miss that. After that, we're going to be talking about the finals, the two races that end this weekend with the race to the CME Globe and the race to Dubai. But one race ended, and you mentioned it. It was the man in the champion store. It was Bernhard Langer. How did he win that became the first to win three Charles, Qua- Charles Schwab Cup trophies?
0: Well, Carlos, you know, he did, He actually won four. He won uh, back in, what, 2011, I believe. Um, but he's won the last three consecutively. Uh, oh, and, you know, by the way, Paul then earned his fourth championship a victory is kind of the year, but we'll get to that later. Only the top 36 players in the Charles Schwab Cup were invited to the season-ending Charles Schwab Cup championship last week at Desert Mountain in Scottsdale, Arizona. Of those, only the top five, Bernard Langer, Scott McCarron, Colin Montgomery, Joe Durant, and Michael uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez, could earn the million-dollar bonus in the race to the Charles Schwab Cup with a win. Langer injured his knee while riding a stationary bike and was forced to withdraw in Los Angeles a couple weeks ago. He returned last week finishing t six and proving to the rest of the championship players that he was serious about defending his Charles Schwab Cup title. Even after the points were reset and Longer lost his huge lead at the Charles Schwab Cup championship this week, he finished runner-up, two shots behind winner Paul Goitas, and two shots clear of his nearest challenger, Colin Montgomery. should be noted that in the last seven Charles Schwab Cup races, Bernard Longer has won... Seven titles and was runner up twice. 2011 was the only year he failed to finish in the top two, and he was out nursing a hand injury force that year. 2010 is when he won the first one, I'm sorry. It should also be noted that Colin Montgomery has finished runner up to Bernard Langer in each of the last three years. The Charles Schwab Cup race rewards consistent play throughout the year, and Bernhard Langer exemplifies hard work, determination, and consistent play. He not only made the cut in all 21 of his starts this season, but finished inside the top 25 in each event. He added 18 top 10s, 18 out of 21. He had four wins, four runners up, and three-thirds, and a partridge in a pear tree. He earned over $3 million in prize money, plus the $1 million bonus. And, you know, the purses are much smaller on the championship tour. Winning $3 million, that would be like winning... Uh, 10 or 15 million, 12, 14 million on the regular tour. 18 top 10s and 21 starts is truly amazing. Uh, I'm not sure we've ever really seen a season like that on any professional tour. Lydia Ko and Tiger Woods have had outstanding years, but not to that extent. Mr. Sunshine, Paul Goidos, picked up the 400,000 for the win at the Charles Schwab Cup Championship. For Goidos, it was his second win this season and sixth, top 10 finish. So, Carlos, I think you're going to talk a little bit about the European Tour, the Ned Bank Challenge. I
1: do. I don't know what they must do with Bernhard Langer. I think they should give like a handicap to the others to make it more interesting because this is just getting ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the way that he's dominating. Oh, my God. They have to give him like five shots uh, to the rest of the field and try to see if they can catch up anyway. But hey, congratulations to Bernhardt. He's a heck of a player, and he deserves all that he's got, and he prepares, and like you said, he got injured, and it didn't matter. He got ready, and he defended it. That's how serious he was about it. So congratulations to him. And hey, <clears throat> the, the European Tour is in full finals series, and it has two out of three. And in the second one, Alex Noren of Sweden, Began the final day of the Nedbank Golf Challenge hosted by Gary player. Six, six shots off the lead that was held by South Korea's Yohuan Wang.
2: But Norrin
1: raced out of the blocks, and by the time he reached the turn in just three strokes, he had moved to the top of the leaderboard. Already he has been a three times a champion this, this year in the European Tour. He then consolidated his advantage with an eagle at the 10th and chip in birdie on the 11th. Those gains took him to 14-under par and 9-under for the day. At, the, at that stage, he looked to have the tournament under control, and a round of 59 seemed possible. Not a 34-year-old dropped a shot at the 14th, and when one birdied the hole, the switch's advantage was pegged back to two. But Norent wasn't to be denied. He made a key birdie at the 16th, and one fell away with bogeys on, the, on three of his last four holes. In the end, Noren won comfortably, with one holding on to solo second. Five players tied for third, Alejandro Canizares, Victor Luizón, Ricardo Govea, Brandon Grace, and Andy Sullivan. This was Alex Noren's fourth victory on the 2016 European Tour season. Before this week, he had already claimed the wins in the Scottish Open, the European Masters, and the British Masters. The triumph seems him climb to third place on the race to the by right standings, just 700,000 points behind leaders Henry Stenson, with only the DP World Tour Championship to play. The victory should also push Noren into the top 10, and he's now officially ninth up all the way from 17th. In the battle for number one position under the race to the right standings, Henrik Stenson made a key birdie on the 18th hole at the Getty Player Country Club, End of finished a week in eighth place and slightly increased his advantage over Danny Willett at the top of the rankings. Willett finished strongly in the Sun City to stay in touch with Stenson with them to play. We'll talk later on the show about the finals and the Race to Dubai and all the rankings and possibilities, but I can tell you the last time when he won the British Masters, Alex Noren, I said that he I wouldn't be surprised to see him win again this year and make the top 10. He did in big time. Bring him to the Ryder Cup 2018. I keep saying he will be there and will be a factor. And talking about Ryder Cup factors, the undoubted MVP of this past Ryder Cup, Patrick Reed, was confirmed by the European Tour Chief Executive Keith Paley to continue to be a member on the European Tour in 2017. That's a little bit of a... It hasn't been taken that well by some in the European Tour, but he's going to retain membership of the Tour by virtue of his victory in the 2014 WCCC Cadillac Championship. It is a decision fully endorsed by Keith Belly and something to which Reed takes pride in retaining both Tour cards. Uh, and it's starting to get some controversy on it, so Fred, the Europeans will continue to be tormented by Patrick Reed sightings next year.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, you mentioned Ryder Cutter in there. Um, Wouldn't Darren Clark rather have had Alex Noren and Russell Knox rather than Martin Keimer and Lee Westwood uh, in Minneapolis? As well as, you know, Russell Knox had another great week this week. Um, Noren won again. Boy, Clark missed the boat on that deal. You know, (laughs) Chubby Chandler, I'm sure that was part of his deal, but uh, Clark really missed, missed up on that thing. Hey, uh, Carlos, the uh, PGA Tour headed south of the border, down Mexico away for the Old Classic at Mayacoba this week. Uh, eight months away from the PGA Tour to fix a torn labrum was just what Pat Perez needed to get his not only his body fixed, but he also has developed a new mindset that allowed him to welcome the challenge, embrace the moment, and take control of the Old Classic. In the past, when Perez got into contention, he would let other players dictate the outcome and not be secure in his own mind that he could get the job done. But sitting out for eight months and turning 40 years old made him realize that now's the time. He must seize the opportunity and make things happen. He went out on Sunday and buried the first three holes to take control of the tournament on the front nine. Perez has always been somewhat brash and showy on and off the course. He likes to have a good time, and in the past, that has affected his play. He has always had the game to compete with the top players in the game, but not the mental attitude. Carlos, this just once again shows that among the top 500 players in the world, just a little bit of confidence goes a long ways. Gary Woodland had held the 54-hole lead, but his final round 70 left him three shots behind Perez for a solo runner-up. Russell Knox once again popped up on the PGA leaderboard for solo third, and Kevin Stillman fired a final round 65 to move up 10 shots for a tie for fourth with Ches Reedy and Scott Piercy. For Piercy, this is his third top 10 this fall in five starts. He's earned nearly 800,000. If he can return to form after the holidays, couldn't look for him to win early next year, Carlos. Piercy's playing really well.
1: Oh, he definitely is, and it? it's early. Apparently- and there's a lot of other of the top players that are not playing. So this is the time for those other players to really shine and try to make it early. Some leads in the FedEx Cup for next year. So we'll see how it goes. But, hey, another season is ending, and that's in the LPGA. It's still one to go. But the second-to-last tournament was the Lorena Ochoa Invitational. And I must tell you one thing. Chang Chong Fang is the most informed player on the LPGA. But after that, I can tell you it's not Lydia Ko, it's not Ariya Itanovin, or Brooke Henderson. It's Spain's Carlota Ciganda. She won her second LPGA Tour title with a two shot victory at the Lorena Ochoa Invitational in Mexico City on Sunday. One stroke off, stroke off the pace heading into the final round at Club de Golf Mexico. Chiganda Eagle, the par 5 second and birdie two of the next four holes on the way to a four under par 68 as she broke clear of a tightly bunched leaderboard. The 26-year-old from Pamplona, a triple winner on the Ladies of the European Tour, posted a 13-under total in the limited field event to claim the win four weeks after winning her maiden LPGA title in South Korea. Often, Ernest, who was the overnight leader, she closed with a 71 to share second place with her American Angela Stanford, England's Jody Iwachatov, Kareem France, and Australia's Sarah James Smith. Siganda, who won her first LPGA title at the KEB Hanna Bank Championship in South Korea last month, now climbs three spots more to number 13 on the LPGA money list. She also moved up two slots from number 23 to number 21 in the Women's World Rankings that were update, updated yesterday. And as with the race to Dubai, we will talk about the race to the CME Globe in the practice range. But Fred, anything you would like to add to this or anything else before we move on to the Part 5 news?
0: No, I'm going to hold comments. Uh, the only thing I might say is that um, Steve Eubanks has an excellent piece on LPGA Tour Commissioner Michael Juan and this week's Global Golf Post. Uh, we've had uh, Commissioner Juan on the Back Nine Report on multiple occasions, and we've held for some time that he's done a remarkable job of resurrecting the women's tour and making it one of the most successful professional golf leagues in the world. So nice to see him getting recognition from Global Golf Post, and Steve Eubanks, of course, is one of the better writers uh, that's to be found around.
1: Totally, and I agree and second those comments that Michael One has done an excellent job. The LPGA is a top-notch tour with top-class players, and it's also a world tour. They go all around the world playing, and all the top players are every week playing there. Well, with this, we'll wrap up our right, weekend soon. Now we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we have the Par 5 news. So don't go away. We'll be right back. <music> Thank
0: you for listening. We'll be right back. In the meantime, don't forget to visit www.edraft.com for analysis, breaking news, and more. Also, remember to follow us on Twitter at edraftsports and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash edraftsports. Now, back to the show.
1: and now it's time for the Par 5 News and Fred, as usual, you have the tee shot. And I think that something happened recently, like last week, that maybe, you know, it's worth talking about, I guess. I don't know. What like, What are you going to talk about?
0: Well, you know, we have, we just have to begin the Par 5 News. We really need to do this for Kieran, I think more than anything, but we have to start the Par 5 news with the election last week of a huge, huge golf supporter. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, it's the best. Uh, you're, you're, going, you're going to love it. They're Donald. You know, this is, this is just going to be hilarious to watch. I mean, what's the PGA and the USGA and the, the RNA and the LPGA? What are these guys going to do with Donald now? You know, you're going to tell the president, no, we're going to have tournaments at your courses? Yeah, right. Uh, I I just love this. I think it's so funny, man. It's just its going to be – I'm going to – I don't even – I'm not – don't even watch politics that close, but I'm watching what Donald's going to do over the next year and a half because I think it's just going to be hilarious. I think it's going to be great. Trump made millions on real estate transactions from being able to see the possibilities other could not. I hope he can bring that same insight to the presidency of the United States. He owns several high-profile golf properties, including Trump Doral, Miami, Florida, which until next year had been the home of the WGC Cadillac Championship. His brashness and bold statements have made him one of the most controversial figures in America today. <clears throat> Massive protests and calls for change in the election system have already begun across the country. I simply want to take 30 seconds to tell everyone that feels disenfranchised with a new president that. He is not some monster that's going to lead the country to ruin. Since its inception, the United States has had 44 previous presidents. Only a few of them have been outstanding, and most have been idiots in one way or another. Donald Trump is no different. Although he ran on the Republican ticket and they now dominate both the House and the Senate, Trump will need to find a way to work with House Leader Paul Ryan, who made it known throughout the campaign that he is not a fan of <laughs> Trump. Plus, Trump is so far off the beaten political path that he scares Republicans and Democrats alike. All this being said, I hope the golf business can reconnect with Trump. He was an important supporter of golf during the 10 years that the sport was floundering and injected millions of dollars into golf to keep it growing through difficult times. The major golf entities of the world, the PGA, the USGA, the PGA Tour, the European Tour, and LPGA, that have been jerking golf tournaments from their rotations maybe now can understand that the dissent they were overreacting to from the media was just that, just that, overreacting to a minority of dissenters, not the overwhelming opinions of U.S. voters. Donald Trump is no dummy. His most important decisions in the coming weeks is to choose the people and advisors that will sit around him and give him counsel. On the upside, Carlos, If you thought President Obama spent a lot of government tax dollars on golf trips and too much time away from the office, well, Donald won't have to pay for green fees or lodging. He owns a ton of great courses and homes from Turnberry in Scotland to Trump National in California. On a side note, don't you just wonder what code name the Secret Service is going to assign to him? You know what, like Birdie Man, Bogey, uh, Top Golfer, Bubba, uh, Golden Eagle? Or my personal favorite, albatross.
1: <laughs> albatross one will be now the the, name of the, of the albatross one. one. when that? I mean, yeah. he
0: pulled off like he's he pulled off like a double eagle, like an albatross by by winning the election. I mean, that week he came from nowhere, so <laughs> that would be a perfect. That would be a perfect handle.
1: That was a holding one, right? I'm sorry, that was a holding. <laughs> one. Okay. A holding uh, one. <laughs> hey. Uh, no, we wish him the best. We know that he's been uh, one of golf's toughest, I mean, top supporters. And uh, he's our president, and we wish him the best. Hopefully, you know, this next four years, uh, he can steer the ship and make it ride the way it should be. But anyway, uh, there's more news. Let's talk a little bit about the Pine Horrors uh, Resort in North Carolina that continues to reinvent itself by bringing in world class architects to update their signature courses. First, it was Will Corr and Brent Prenshaw who restored Pinehurst Number no. 2 in 2010 to 2011. And now, it's still Hans' turn. And here will will designed the heralded Number no. 4 course on the property. As part of the deal, Hans will also design a short course for children and families. This is part of a broader master plan for the resort that includes restoring Pinehurst Number no. 1 and 3 more resemble the original Donald, Donald Ross design, as well improvements to the Maniac Hill practice facility and to still do Proud Incurs. Uh, hence has obviously, obviously been a busy man, along with Corinne uh, Crenshaw as well as Tom Doak, the most in demand names in modern golf architecture, with work on designing the Olympic golf course in Rio, Trump's Doral Blue Monster, as well as another Trump branded course opening soon in Dubai. He's also designed streams on black, which will soon open. Now he adds this project, which begins in the fall of 2017, with a reopening schedule about a year later from the start of work. his chances are largely aimed at achieving the same goals as what, has, so what was done with number two, exposing the sandy soil and planting native wire grasses, while whitening fairways and installing ultra dwarf Bermuda grass greens. He said, and I quote, we think this approach will create a more authentic, visually interesting golf course and one that feels in tune with its unique surrounds, end of quote. The short course will sit on 10 acres of property currently occupied by the first holes under number three and number five courses, and it will have eight to 12 holes imagined to look and play a lot like number two. That project will short going on during summer 2017 with the fall opening, dovetailing into the start of the work on number four for it. Yeah,
0: Yeah, um, some of those courses need some work. Uh, number one uh, definitely needs some updating. It's it's a, it's a nice little golf course. There's nothing, you know, wrong. But it, it really, you know, the quality of clientele that Pinehurst draws, um, a couple of those courses really don't meet um what you what you're paying for um and so this is a good start to do that they you know they put a ton of money into the number two and made it you know p g a tour worthy and and that's their crown jewel so people guys come and want to pay four hundred bucks to play that and all that good stuff but you know there's a bunch of other courses there and they're good properties um, you know if you just go and play uh, you know a couple you don't have to play number two when you go there, you can play. Uh, five is okay, you know, eight is very difficult. Uh, there's a couple of others that aren't too bad. But go down the road and play mid-pines and pine needles. Uh, for the average golfer, they're way more fun anyhow. So, But I'm glad Hans is doing that. Uh, Pinehurst needs to to uh, upgrade those a little bit. So um, I'm glad to see that. Hey, um, the PGA Board of Directors met last week. And officially announced the resignation of Tim Fincham, effective at the end of 2016, and unanimously approved Jay Monahan as his replacement. All this was pretty much just um, for show. The decisions were already made a long time ago how this was going to go. Monahan has been serving as the PGA Tour Deputy Commissioner for the past two years and becomes only the fourth commissioner effective January 1. Fincham was also deputy commissioner under Dean Beeman when he was appointed in 1994, and he leaves behind some very big shoes to fill. Total prize money in 1994 was $52.4 million with 40 official tournaments. Fincham, now 69, leaves a schedule of 43 tournaments with prize money at $300 million. And that's not including the four majors. So you are can add another $40 million to that. The $65 million FedEx Cup was conceived and negotiated during tension's reign. Yes, he was lucky to have the arrival of Diberger Woods in 1996 as his biggest asset, but he used him wisely to negotiate lucrative television contracts in 2009 at the height of the recession that run through 2021. He was able to do this even while Woods was away from the tour with injury and rehab. Monahan, who is 46 years old, was executive vice president at Fenway Sports Group when he joined the PGA Tour in 2008, first as executive director of the Players' Championship, and quickly moved his way through other business functions, including the key role of chief marketing officer. He was appointed chief operating officer earlier this year. Monahan has been working very closely with Fincham the whole year, and this transition came as no surprise. As I mentioned, it's been planned for quite a while. Fincham leaves behind a PGA Tour better funded, and if not more popular, it is extremely more lucrative for tour members than when he took over from Dean Beeman. For players, the massive increase in the retirement funding from tour operations is the piece of Fincham's legacy that gets overlooked. Once a player reaches the required number of events to become fully vested, the annual retirement benefit from the PGA Tour is one of the very best in the world. Tim was never a ball of fire. He was deliberate, concise, measured in his replies with the media, but a solid administrator who knew his constituency and managed his staff and the players to maximize the profits for the tour and the players. He went down as one of the best sports management administrators of all time, Carlos.
1: He definitely, he definitely is. We wish him the best, and for Jim Monaghan, he has some big shoes to feel, and especially with the European Tour, making a lot of moves to try and compete with the PGA Tour. Uh, and as we have been talking for the past few weeks also, there's a lot of uh, dealing that has to be made for the TV rights and how they're going to be spread out. And say, <laughs> I it's a big, big time for Jay Monahan to be stepping up in the shoes now of Tim Fincham. So we wish him the best. And somebody else is also taking over as president of something. And this time is off of the PGA of America. And last Friday at the association's annual meeting, Paul Levy took officially over as president of the PGA of America. He became the organization's 40th president and Succeeds Derek Sprague. Levy, the CEO and general manager of Toscana Country Club in Indian Wells, California, said he will focus on expanding employment opportunities for the PGA's 28,000 members and growing the game during his two-year term. Susie Whaley, who became the PGA's first female officer at the 2014 annual meeting, also transitioned from secretary to vice president. Jim Richardson was voted the association's new secretary putting the director of golf at Cleveland Straits in Wisconsin in line to, became, to become the, president, the PGA president in four years. Richardson won on the first ballot with 53.5% of the vote of the 114 delegates over Florida's Ross Levy and North Carolina's Rick Murphy. He becomes just the second secretary elected on the first ballot with at least three candidates after Whaley did it two years ago in Indianapolis. And speaking of the PGA, golf's return to the Olympics in 2016 was for many, not for me, you all know it, it was not for me, an unanticipated success. To accommodate for the first Olympic tournament since 1912, the 2016 PGA Championship was subsequently moved from its conventional August date to late July, a short three weeks after the Open Championship was held across the pond. For many of the world's best golfers, this shift constricted the schedules. Headlines in the lead-up to Rio, red players like Jordan Speed, Rory McAleary, and Jason Day were unwilling to compete, citing besides Zika, the busy the schedule, as one of their biggest concerns. In an attempt to quash a repeat fiasco, the PGA of America announced on Wednesday that they are considering moving their marquee tournament to May in 2020, when golf is on the Olympic program in Tokyo. Speaking at the PGA of America's annual meeting in New York, CEO Pete Pevacua said the organization is looking to make the event the second major tournament of the year behind the Masters. The move would additionally push the Players' Championship back to March, which was the month where the tournament originally was held prior to its move to May in 2007. Not only would a move in the schedule help protect the traditional golf tours and their events, but it could also help to ensure the continuation of Olympic golf, according to Veracua. Harding Park in San Francisco is slated to host the 2020 PGA Championship. Veracua said that an option to move the event to May is very much on the table, but in order to make everything work, Demacqua stressed the importance of all the individual organizations coming together and making a collective effort for changing the schedule during the Olympic years, or, as it should be, Fred, make this move permanent and leave it that way. It would be better.
0: Well, you know, when you look at the calendar, I could never understand um, why, well, I mean, I know why they did move the players from May, from March to May. Um, you know, I, I got that. Uh, they, they, do get, they get a lot better weather for the tournament uh, there in Florida in May. But the year lines up so much better if you have the players in March, the Masters in April. Now if you have the PGA in May, you have the – the only thing is the PGA get a little sketchy if you try to bring it north. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do about that because May can be a little tough. You know, because, you know, like a memorial is held always like the first week of June. Uh, Jack used to try to hold it the Memorial Day weekend, and he would get bad weather, and when they moved to June, he gets a lot better weather. So then in July, you got uh, – in June, you got the o- U.S. Open, July the Open Championship. Then in August, September, you got the FedEx Cup. And then you can slide right into October with in alternate years, the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup. So, you know, that, that makes a much smoother year. And then if you have every four years, you have an Olympics, you can plug them in there in the August date. Um, maybe that works a lot better. I, I don't know. I, it looks great. Um, you have the players. You know, they lost the – you know, Florida lost the WGC Cadillac. I mean, that's got to be a huge hit to their economy down there. That was mm-hmm. a big event. So, totally. you know, if you have the players back there in March when all the snowbirds are still down there, in May they've left, they're gone. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's another draw for Florida in March, which, um, you know, you've got uh, spring training camps for baseball, you got the race down there, you got tennis, you got all kinds of things that happen down there in March. Um, but, you know, I, I think it makes more sense, but I think a lot of stuff would have to fall. Uh, just right to to uh, get that done.
1: Anyway, uh, like Baracqua said, all the, those individual organizations have to come together in, uh, yeah. in that effort to schedule. So, but hopefully it works, because like you said, it definitely makes a lot more sense.
0: Um, we haven't talked about Jordan Speed for a while. Let's talk about him a little bit. Um,
2: sure. Yeah.
0: You know, a couple of years ago, he won two majors and factored into the other two, and so in 2015, he set the bar fairly high for 2016, and all in all, he had a pretty good year. He won twice, had eight top tens, missed only two cuts in 21 events, yet compared to 2015, kind of felt like an off year, so what's he going to do? What's he going to do different this year? Well, we're going to talk about one thing here a little bit later, but you know, a lot of guys started looking around for different equipment. You know, there's all kinds of equipment deals being made this time of year, but Spee says, I'm not going to change. Um, no plans to give up playing Titleist equipment. i played Titleist my whole life, so I just trust it. With the Accution at IPO this month, Spee said he didn't get any stock with the offering, but imagines he'll be a shareholder at some point. Uh, he even gone and spent some time with. Um, with the president of Titleist. And, uh, you know, since he didn't finish his degree at uh, Texas, I guess he feels like he needs some, uh, some business training. So he's getting on-the-job experience here in the offseason a little bit. You know, um, Nike got out of the golf equipment business, which surprised many. However, Spee said his PGA Tour colleagues, sponsored by Nike, most notably Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy, have always enjoyed the flexibility of playing with what they want. These says they frequently talk shop to each other about the different equipment brands and clubs. In golf, trusting what you are wearing and playing, which is first and foremost so you don't have to worry about anything but your game. Of course, Jordan has had the full head-to-toe deal with Under Armour that has helped send their sales and stock prices skyrocketing over the past couple of years. He's also inked a few major corporate sponsor deals that, even though he only earned five point five million last year, poor boy, versus the twenty two million he earned in 2015, still make him one of the highest paid athletes in the world with over fifty million of annual income. So, what's he gonna do different? Well, you and I talked at the beginning of the year. He was playing too much, traveling around the world too much, and He's going to cut his schedule. He's going to apply the Steve Stricker and Tiger Woods theory of golf success by cutting his schedule considerably next year, and he hopes that will translate into better results in 2017. Steve was notably absent from the WGC HSBC champions in China last month, and he has not played a stroke play event since the Tour Championship. He'll return to action next week at the Australian Open and will make his final start of the calendar year at the Hero World Challenge in the Bahamas. Steve told golf.com, I just wanted an off season. I needed some time off. As I mentioned, last year's being a year, he made 12 starts across six different countries leading up to the Masters. This is before the beginning of April, including stops in Abu Dhabi and Singapore, for which he reportedly received lucrative appearance fees. Carlos, I applaud this decision. It's one of the best he could make. Even though he is young man, uh, and, and he, but all that travel across different time zones and playing in distant lands, where's the body? And because the year was so compressed last year with the Olympics, he wore down as the year went on. Look for Jordan Spieth to have a big year in 2017. I'm going to call it right now. You can mark it down, Carlos.
1: I totally agree. He just needed to cut down on that schedule because he, he was... Just out of this world, playing everywhere trying to please everyone. But definitely, I go with you. Who's going to have a better year next year? Rested and more focused on that. And with that, we wrap off our Part 5 News. We're going to take another short break. When we come back, we're going to have our practice range. You don't want to miss it. Solheim Cup, Race to the CME Globe, and Race to the Dubai. Three top L- events for you so the world
0: thank you for listening to the back nine report presented by Edraft.com. we'll be right back don't forget to check out our co-hosts on twitter by clicking their names in the episode description now back to the show
1: And we're back, and now it's time for the practice range for every week. Fred and I pick a topic, and each of us take our shots at it. This week, we have picked three topics, three that are very important and very informed right now. The first one that we're going to touch is Solheim Cup in 2021. Is going to be played right in Fred's backyard there in Toledo at Inverness in Fred. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about. To Stacy Lewis, uh, and then we'll be talking about the impact of the Solheim Cup 2021 there at Toledo. But tell us a little bit. We have first an interview with Stacy Lewis.
0: Well, yeah, you know, um, it, it's really a big deal. Um, we uh, we had the chance to. Stacy came in for the um, for the official announcement last Wednesday. Uh, where they had the press conference at the Emirates Club. Um, we originally made the announcement last Tuesday on last Tuesday's show. The the uh, it broke early. The story broke early Tuesday around noon last week, and then they had the official press conference on Wednesday. So we were able to talk with Alan Solheim of the Pink Company, who was there. He told us how important their involvement with the Solheim Cup had become over the years. Uh, The LPGA had approached his father and mother about sponsoring two competitions, one in the U.S. and the second to be held in Europe. Allen's brother John, recognizing a unique opportunity for Ping to build something for the future, proposed they sign on for 10 competitions. Now, 26 years later, they are still involved and are planning to remain the primary sponsor for the Solheim Cup for many years to come. I also talked with the mayor of Toledo, Paula Hudson Hicks, and she gave her 100% support for the huge event coming Toledo. The city has agreed to provide the security, traffic control, and emergency services for it. She told me the 2021 Solheims expected to generate over $50 million of additional revenues for the city. So the two interviews that we're going to hear tonight, uh, the first one is with Stacey Lewis. Um, Stacy, as well as both of her parents, was born here in Toledo. And the city still claims her as one of their own. She has a tremendous impact on convincing marathon, take over sponsorship of the old Jamie Farr, and she's also helped bring the Solheim Cup to Toledo. So Carlos, go ahead and roll the Stacey Lewis interview if you would, please.
1: That's right.
3: We're talking with Stacey Lewis here at the Inverness Club for the announcement for the twenty twenty one Solheim Cup to be held here. Stacy, I don't know if you remember, but several years ago, you played here on a sponsor's exemption. You walked off the 18 green. I talked to your dad, talked to you for a little bit, got a nice story for our magazine. Uh, Things have uh, come a long way since then.
2: We have, you know, things have, have really changed. You know, I remember, I do remember that first tournament. Um, Jed and I were talking about it. You know, I was pretty, pretty mad that I missed the cut that first year, and um, but, you know, he, you know, went out on a whim a little bit and gave me that invite, and then gave it to me a couple more years actually while I was in school. And so to go from that to to getting my status and playing on tour, to bringing marathon on board, and now hosting this Solheim Cup, um, it's just. It's so cool to see the progress we've made, and to bring it here to Toledo um, is pretty special for me.
3: What has been your involvement in the process? I know uh, you kind of broke the story during the Marathon Classic this summer that Judd was kind of trying to get this done. Uh, how have you been involved?
2: Um, you know, I've been I've been somewhat involved. You know, I it's it's kind of hard. You know, it's a lot of. Kind of behind-the-scenes work has to be done. Judd Jud, and his team have done most of the work, but um, you know, I've kind of I've tried to put in a good word and you know tell the tour how great this golf course is. And um, Judd really did the hard work of getting all the sponsors on board and um, getting the community to understand what this Wilhelm Cup is all about. And um, you know, we owe a big thank you to him. And he had the vision really for all this. And um, I just I'm so excited. I, I love this golf course and uh, be playing. You know, it has so much history with the US Opens and USAMs and PGAs and all that stuff. You know, it's just cool for the women to get to play on a golf course like this.
3: I know Marathon has been one of your great sponsors. Mm-hmm. I know you helped bring Marathon here as a sponsor for the Marathon Classic. Mm-hmm. Now Marathon is signed on as a world partner for the Solheim Cup. Uh, That's kind of cool to be involved in all that, also.
2: It is. You know, I uh, one of my first outings I did with uh, with Marathon. Gary, the CEO, said to me, he said, "Okay, why should I sponsor this LPGA event?" And um, fortunately, I must have given him a good answer because he went to the tour a couple months later and signed on to do the tournament and. You know, it didn't take much convincing, obviously, from Gary. He loves our tour. He loves, you know, all the girls and all the people that he's met along the way and it was pretty easy to convince him to to get involved in this and and to bring it here to Toledo. Let's
3: talk about where you're at right now. You've had a good year, Mm -hmm. not an outstanding year, Mm -hmm. but you got married, so that's a pretty good deal. Where are you at with your career? What's going on? Uh, What's happening right now?
2: right now trying to recover a little bit you know this this year was crazy um still played some pretty good golf given all that i had on my plate between the olympics and the wedding and you know really right now just trying to recover from all that and looking kind of already looking forward to 17 and working on things to get ready for 2017 and um because the game's been there it's just kind of mine maybe just hasn't been as sharp hasn't been as rested and the game but the game's been there the whole time being a little bit more rested going into next year is kind of the goal, and you know, taking care of the body as I get a little bit older.
3: <laughs> well, we certainly want to wish you a lot of luck, and look forward to talking to you uh, next year here at the Marathon Classic.
2: Awesome, thank you.
3: There
1: you have it. That was former world number one Stacy Lewis uh, talking about that, and Fred, you know, that Donald Ross designing for this club, like she said, it boasts a major championship pedigree have hosted many of the premier championships in golf, including four U.S. Opens, two PGA championships, and most recently, 2003 and 2009 U.S. Senior Open Championships. Uh, this 2021 Solheim Cup will continue to build on that strong history and pra- tradition of the LPGA in Toledo, which began in 1954, uh, at the Inverness football Bowl, hosted uh, at the Inverness Club. So also, like she mentioned, you have mentioned also the American Classic. Uh, since 1984, and uh, LPGA Tour officials are estimating that it's going to be 175,000 fans that will attend the tournament. More than half are expected to come out of state. Where are you going to put all that people, Fred, including 15,000 from Europe? That economic impact is estimated to be $15 The Solheim Cup receives three days of national television airtime on NBC and both channels, and That proximity from Toledo to the Detroit Airport, which has nine daily flights to Europe, and the Toledo's Airport daily flights from Chicago O'Hare, an international hub, were highlighted in that bidding process, and basically it could have made a big
3: difference. But
0: well, we're only three hour drive, three and a half hour drive from Chicago O'Hare. We have the Toledo Airport right here, as you just mentioned, there is connection through Chicago. We're just an hour and a half from the Cleveland Airport, and we're 50 minutes from the Detroit Airport. So and then you also have the uh, urban hubs of Detroit and Cleveland. We're right in between them. Uh, it's just it's a two-hour drive from Columbus. Uh, then up to I-75, you got Dayton, you got Cincinnati. So you know Indianapolis is three hours away. A lot of population in this area, Michigan. You know a high population area in, in the southern part of the state. So um, you know having a crowd, I don't think so. They're, they're talking. They were talking numbers like forty-five thousand. Uh, spectators a day. Um, Inverness is a wonderful property, but it's not that big. Okay? If they put 45,000 people in there, they're going to be stacked like salad beans. I'm telling you. Uh, I'm not going out on the course if they're having 45. I'm going to stay in the media center uh, if if they're going to have that many people there. But, Carlos, you started talking about the history of Inverness. Don't get me started on that. There's so many stories. There's so many wonderful stories about Inverness. I, I can't. I we I would be talking all night long and still would not be done. I'm going to tell you one one uh, little couple little facts here, though, so just real quickly. Bobby Jones played in his first U.S. Open in 1920 at Inverness, and he played in his last U.S. Open at Inverness in 1931 after he won the um, Grand Slam in 1930. Jack Nicklaus played in his first. U.S. Open in 1957 at Inverness. So, Inverness has seen some history. That's just that's just some little tidbits, okay? Um, you know, you mentioned the the big tournaments that have been there. It's just it's a phenomenal place. Uh, when you walk in, it's uh, it's just you can just feel it as you walk in there. So, well, let's talk. Uh, let me talk a little bit about here about Judd Silverman. Um, I've known Judd for several years now, um, and he has the respect. Uh, of every uh, LPGA tour administrator, Michael Wan and Judd are pretty close friends. When Judd says something, Michael Wan listens very intently. Um, and the bid they put together for this thing was just—I mean—they did not miss a beat with anything. Um, they made sure they had every base covered. We're going to talk about it a little bit in the in the interview, but. He started the Jamie Farr Classic. He was a caddy. He was a PGA Tour caddy who started an LPGA Tour event in Toledo. Okay? And it's grown to become the Marathon Classic, one of the longest-running, most successful uh, golf LPGA tournaments on the LPGA Tour. And now he has been successful in putting a group together to bring – The Solheim Cup here in 2021—it's just a phenomenal story. Carlos, go ahead and play the interview if you would,
3: please. Let's play that interview. Talking with Judge Silverman, the tournament director for the American Classic, and now here announcing today that the 2021 Solheim Cup will be coming to Toledo. Yes, we are just so thrilled. I can't even tell you, Fred so proud of the business community, the competition of five other great cities, great golf courses. The competition was uh, fierce and for this community to step up and win this bid is just great for Northwest Ohio. The Solheim Cup will bring many visitors in that year, Europeans, Americans, Our city will really be under the spotlight that week. It'll be so much fun. And, you know, what can you say about Inverness Club? Uh, The history and tradition of this golf course hosting U.S. Open's, PGA's, and now the greatest women's event in women's golf. It's just great for the community, and I'm just so proud of all the companies that stepped up, wrote a letter of support, made a financial commitment to this thing. It's It's just so appreciative. Uh, of, of them believing in this event uh, and what it could mean for the community. You had an idea of bringing an LPGA tour event to Toledo. You walked into the LPGA offices. I called ahead of time and made, a, made an appointment with the commissioner back in 1982. But you've progressed from the Jamie Farr Toledo Classic, now the Marathon Classic. I was talking to Stacy a minute ago. You invited her here on sponsor's exemptions when she was still in college. Right. Now she's a major champion, three-time Solheim Cup player, 11-time winner on tour. She has helped bring Marathon to the tournament. A lot of things have fallen in line. The dominoes have really fallen to get to this point. Yeah, it's been great. And, um, you know, to watch Stacey, uh, uh, what she's accomplished physically, everything she went through as a young girl, with a rod being you know implanted in her back and um just those difficulties that she went through and then to become an all-american at the university of arkansas uh, a great student at the university of arkansas and then to be a superstar player on the lpga tour to watch her grow and know that her mom and dad graduated from whitmer high school and her whole family are toledoans i mean you couldn't ask for a better story for us who uh you know, put, who puts on an LPGA event every year in this town. So we're so proud of her. To have her come back here today and help us kick off this 2021 Solheim Cup, it, it means the world to us, and I think uh, I think she enjoyed it too. Golf fans see the tournament. They see people show up. They see the players. It's, it's all wonderful. There's a little more to that, mm-hmm. uh, getting a, a tournament put together. Uh, there was a lot of elements that went into this bid, getting this, Cup here to Toledo. Well, it's a business, Fred. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, uh, Richard Hyland, our, our bid committee chair, um, you know, he said right from the start, we don't want to lose this thing on money alone. Because when you're up against these bigger markets, they, c- they can raise a lot of money. And uh, we didn't want to be viewed as a smaller market. They can't raise the money. So, I just give so much credit to our business community. 50 different companies wrote letters of support for this you know all in all we raised close to six million dollars that was huge just to break that down real quickly marathon has jumped on board for 1.25 million they've become a world sponsor of the uh, solheim cup right for 2021 they're a global sponsor along with ping which is karsten solheim's uh, company and rolex yeah so you'll see that marathon logo Uh, In 2021 at the Solheim Cup as a global partner. And then in addition, you were able to raise another $4.5 from a large consortium of, of, of companies that have jumped on board. Yep, absolutely. About 50 different Northwest Ohio, Southeast Michigan companies who jumped on board, wrote us a letter of support, made a financial commitment... That's why we're standing here today. Inverness is such a world-class facility. Of course, that's going to get their attention, but it's still a business, and they want to make sure that the business can prosper, and our business community just made sure of that. John, thank you so much for taking us off. Now, I know this is a, a realization of a dream that you've had, and to start with the old Jamie Farr Toledo Classic and bring a Solheim Cup To Toledo, I think you are very much to be commended, sir. Well, thank you, Fred. Um, It is great to be on a winning team, and it's great to work on a project as a community with so many people involved. It's just great to be a part of a winning team, and that's what this community is today, a winning team. We're bringing a great event to Toledo, Ohio in 2021. Thank you, Judd. Thanks so much, Fred.
1: There you have it. I was John Silva, the uh, executive director for the local LPGA tournament, the Marathon Classic, and uh, he said it. Fred, it was a team effort. It took a team effort to do this. And one thing that is worth mentioning is that every year that in the past the event uh, has been postponed for one year whenever has hosted a big big event, the Marathon Classic. But this in 2021. They're moving it to Highland Meadows to be to so it's not going to be postponed. So uh, they're going to have big-time golf in 2021. The Marathon Classic is going to be there, and it's going to be also a Solheim conference. Yeah, I, Judd has
0: felt in the past, uh, when they had the 2003-2011 uh, um, U.S. Senior Open here, they did not hold the LPGA event. It, just, it puts a lot of strain on the local business community to come up with the funds to sponsor these events. And so, but one of the deals is that the LPGA Day, the the, the um, Marathon Classic is always held at Highland Meadows. Um, and this this event will be held at Inverness. So, but the LPGA Tour did not want to close down the Marathon Classic uh, in 2021. So, we're going to have two tournaments in Toledo that year, which uh, it's going to put a tremendous strain on the, spa, on the sponsors, tremendous strain on the uh, volunteers. Um, it, it's hard to believe that Toledo is going to be that much of a focus in the national spotlight uh, in 2021. It's just, it's really a, a, a mind-boggling thing, Carlos. Uh, it, even no, to me, Fred, it
1: can be. It can be. It's the center of the Gulf Universe. You told me, now <laughs> I believe it, and now you're saying that it's still a little <laughs> unbelievable. What? makes your mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do it Judd, well, I shouldn't say will I should say Judd Silverman will do it Because he is um, He knows the people uh, He is a great administrator And uh, he's going to get this thing done uh, There is no question in my mind I just hope we have great weather for it I, I think it will be phenomenal Inverness is a wonderful, wonderful place to, to host the tournament And it's perfect, it will be perfect for the women to play. that's uh, This will be a perfect venue for them to be at.
1: Just too close Do you. think it'll be huge? It'll be great. Do you think it will be, it'll
0: be huge? <laughs> it'll be wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it'll
1: be wonderful. We'll have nice.
0: Donald involved. <laughs> 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 will he still be president by then? <laughs> no, we'll
1: see. But we'll so, hey, talking, talking about the women in the LPGA, uh, the race to the CME, the LPGA's season is just ending. Lydia Ko's back is to the wall in the battle for the Rolex Player of the Year Award. It's a winner-take-all proposition for the world number one this week. Ko has to win the LPGA's season finale in Naples to claim her second Player of the Year Award. She has to win the CME Group Tour Championship to take the honor in back-to-back years. The points-based award has boiled down to two women, but Adia Yutaneren, doesn't have to win this week to, became, to become the 2016 Rolex Player Outlet of the Year. If Cole doesn't win the CME Group Tour Championship, the award goes automatically to Yutanegar, no matter how she plays. She can finish last. That, that tournament will be hers. Why? Let me explain it this way. Yutanegar leads Lydia Cole by 14 points in the Player of the Year standings. A victory this week is worth 30 points. But a second place is worth 12. So it doesn't matter. If she, Lydia finishes 12, Aria could finish last and the player of the year is hers. At the start of the Asian swing seven weeks ago, Cole led all the races for the big awards. She was out in front for the player of the year standings, the money list, the competition for the Vera Trophy for low scoring average and the race to a CME dog standings. Yutaner now leads Cole in all but one of those categories she is the Vera Trophy competition. Though Cole's struggles of the Asian swing cost her in the major award races, she can still sweep them all with a big wink in Naples. Yutanagar is also in position for a major award hall. Cole has dominated the race to the CME Globe since it was created before the 2014 season. She has won the $1 million jackpot in the first two years of her existence. And here is how. Now the competition stands. Like I said, Aditya Tanner has 261 points, Lydia Koh 247, Brooke Henderson is a distant third at 154. Uh, in the LPG money winnings, Aditya Tanner is 2.475 to 18 million, while Lydia Koh is 2.457, which is basically eighteen. Mi- thousand dollars behind Adi and Brooke Henderson is still distant third with one point seven million. There's a two million dollar championship purse this week with five hundred thousand dollars going to the winner. So any one of them can win this uh, the LPJ money title. They're very trophy for low scoring average. It could be safe to say that Lydia Cole has it in hand. She has a 69.611 average. Ingi Chung is second with 69.632. Hannah Yang is 69.848. So those are the first three. Chan Chung-Feng is a little farther behind 69.922. So it would take a herculean effort uh, from Ingi Chung and Hannah Chung to win it and a very bad week from Lydia Ko to lose it. And the race to the CME Globe, our uh, points are reset. So Adi Aitangaran will have 5,000, Lydia Ko 4,500, Brook Henderson 4,000, then it's Hannah Yang, Seyo Kim, Shan Fong, Minjili, Inge Shon, and Harun Mura. And with only the top nine mathematically illegible between the number the $1 million jackpot for the winner of the season-long competition, the points is very important because the first one is 3,500 points, which could make Haradamuda, who is number nine, a winner with a win there. Fred, what do you have for us on the CME race to the CME Golf finals?
0: Well, they're going to be at Tiburon Golf Club in Naples, Florida again. Uh,
1: as you mentioned, it isn't amazing.
0: I mean, you know, the, the, the regular PGA Tour has been over for, you know, a couple months now. But, uh, you know, we had the end of the Champions Tour last week. We got the end of the... LPGA Tour this week. At the end of the European Tour next week. Um, it must be about Thanksgiving time, Carl. I said the end of the year is coming pretty fast here. Um, it's going to be televised on the Golf Channel Thursday, Friday, and Saturday from 4.30 to 6.30. But on Sunday, ABC is picking up the coverage from 1 to 4. So flip off your football game. Uh, nobody worth watching anyhow. Uh, flip it over to ABC or – DVR and watch it later, but um, um, other than the U.S. Women's Amateur on Fox and the final round of the Marathon Classic on CBS this year, I think this will only be the third televised LPGA final round on network television this year. As you mentioned, they're playing for the $500,000 first place check, uh, one of the biggest in women's golf, plus a million dollars on the line for the bonus that goes to the winner. Uh, It's only the third time they've done this. Lydia Ko won it the first two times. She's looking to do it again. Um, Carlos, I'm going to say one thing. Um, You know, one thing I've noticed in big situations, Mm -hmm. Jutonic Iron does not seem as comfortable as Ko. You know, Ko just sticks right to her process, and Jutonic Iron can get a little jumpy. This is... Really uncharted territory for Ariya Arn. I, I look for Co. to really pull it together this week. You know, we had the same kind of thing last year. She was not playing good the first couple, uh, the couple weeks ahead of the CMB Globe last year and really played well uh, that week. And I, I look for the same thing to happen again this year, um, you know, just like Longer on the Champions Tour, uh, and she'll collect her third consecutive race to the CMB Globe title. Really look for that to happen, Carlos. Um, I don't know, just a feeling. Uh, we'll see. But um, let's see if I got anything else here. I think I think that's pretty much it. You talked about the wards that are up. Um, three players. Uh, there's only 72 players that were eligible, and only 68 players are teeing it up. Uh, Lee Pace, Nyan Choi, Andy Park, and In Count Kim, uh, Kim withdrew. So four players withdrew. Uh, evidently, there's some injury problems or something. That, well, MB's not coming. You know, she hasn't played for a while. So, um, so yeah, big season ender on the LTJ tour at the CME Globe Championship.
1: I think I'm gonna disagree with you. I think it's Adria Utano's tournament and titles to lose. She's playing better, and I, I just think she's being up and down because of the injuries that she's had this year. But it's crunch time. I do think she will win, she's going to do better than Lydia, and she's going to win all four of those awards that she's uh, – I mean, Rolex player, and Lydia has to win to beat, the, to beat her there. Uh, that's Addy has to lose, definitely. And uh, money winnings, I think she's going to finish ahead of Co anyway. And uh, only the very Trophy is going to go to, to Lydia on those five. So we'll see next week. We'll be talking about it whether Fred got it right or whether I got it right or whether none of us got it right. We'll see. <laughs> but anyway, talking about the other ending, it's the European Tour, and that's the Race to Dubai. And although Henrik Stenson, who's the British Open champion, has a grip on the Race to Dubai title, which was once upon a time known as the European Tour Order of Merit going into this week's finale, the DB World Tour Championship in Dubai, four players still have a mathematical chance of scooping the riches. In effect, though Roy McIlroy, one of that quarter, would require something akin of a more golfing miracle to actually pull off the feet, he has a chance. Because in deciding to bypass the Turkish Airlines Open due to security concerns, and in not adding the Dend Bank Championship to his itinerary. The Northern Irishman, a winner of the FedEx Cup on the PGA Tour, effectively left the race to others and seemed content with his lot in doing so. So it is that Stenson heads to a familiar haunt in Dubai, where he lived for a number of years, aware that he has it in his own hands to claim the Order of Merit Danny Willett, out of form and nothing at all like the player who so impressively won the US Masters last April. And Stenson's fellow sweet Alex Noren, unquestionably the informed player on tour at the moment, are his closest challengers for the money title. McIlroy in fourth is the only player who theoretically can catch him. This is Stenson's title to lose. He rarely loses in Dubai. The only guy I see with a chance is Alex Noren, who is like he has admitted having the season of his life. Of course, he can make it better. should he manage to leave for Stenson at the final hurdle, requiring a win and for Stenson to finish outside the top two, or alternatively by finishing second and for Stenson to finish outside the top two. That's not happening. But Stenson, though, would seem to have left Michael Wright out of the equation when he was talking on the conference. Given the twists and turns that would have to occur for Michael Wright to reserve him, it is understandable that his focus is plenty only on his two closest pursuers. For the rest of the players, there is the incentive that a win or a good finish could propel them into the top ten in the standings, that has a five million dollar bonus pool to be divided up. So, to finish up, Henry Stenson, he's under the driving seat. If he wins, he does the double. He wins both. Depending on how his main rivals do, he could finish anywhere between second and forty-fourth and still win. Danny Willett has the best chance versus Stenson. If he finishes fourth, Stenson would need to finish inside the top 30 to stay ahead. If he finishes third, Stenson would need a top nine. If he finishes second, he wins the race to Dubai. If Stenson finishes outside of the top two and Norrin doesn't win, if he wins the tournament, he wins. They are their married. Alex Norrin, the red hot sweep to win the race to Dubai, he needs to win it. He needs a minimum of a two, top two finish, if Noren finishes second in the tournament, he needs Tencent to finish outside of the top eight. If he wins the DP World, he needs Tencent to finish worse than second. Rory McIlroy, oh, wow, Here it's where it gets complicated. For him to clean <laughs> It hasn't been complicated line, so far. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you you're, you're probably blew <laughs> your <losing laughs> calculator up, didn't you? <laughs>
1: no, I, I did, I did. So if for him to win a third straight, he needs to win the DP World with some finishing outside the top 45. That's not happening. Oh, wow. That's, that's not happening. Willis has to finish outside of the, the top five and Lorraine outside of the top two. All four, all three things have to be for him to win. So, Fred, how about this race to the Washington
0: Yeah, and you know what? This is the last one, Carlos. Um, They're going, uh, just announced, uh, they're going to be going to a thing called the Rolex Series uh, in the future. It's going to be uh, seven events on the European tour with guaranteed $7 million purses. So, you know, over the past couple of years, the top European players have had no choice but to come to the U.S. simply because of the difference in weekly prize money. Um, you know, the, the prize money doesn't mean a lot to the top players, but for the guys that just make the cut or finish inside the top 25 each week, I mean, it's a big deal. To give you an example, Bill Haas finished T20 at the Safeway Classic a couple of weeks ago. He earned $75,000 for finishing T20. T18 at the British Masters the same week in England, and this is one of the big events on the European Tour, was worth only 43,000. So, like almost half as much. The only events on the European Tour that offered purses over $6 million were the three races to Dubai final series, plus the four majors and the four WGC uh, championship events. So the Rolex series will have add four events to the European Tour that offer $7 million purses. They're going to get more top names to come and stay and play in Europe. Uh, In addition, Pele has relaxed the European Tour membership rules and added 10 more cards for 2017. So this DP World Championship, there will still be one next year, but it's not going to be part of a race to the Dubai final series. Um, There's only uh, – got 60 guys playing this week. You know, they're playing for the first-place check of uh, Butts. They're going for that $1.25 million, and you went through all the scenarios there. Sounds to me like Henrik Stenson's probably going to come away uh, with another uh, $1.25 million in his pocket this week, Carlos.
1: Oh, he does. And anyway, he, he plays so well there in Dubai. He's either all the time either winning or finishing second or third. And so it's going to be uphill for whoever is going to try to win it. And, uh, yes, like you were saying next year, there will be what is called the Rolex uh, Series, which is a uh, minimum of seven events in seven iconic golfing locations across the world. All of them, all of them, are offering a minimum prize fund of two million million, and the DP World Tour Championship in Dubai will feature a prize fund of $8 million. Uh, so, definitely, they're upping the ante to bring those top players that uh, Rolex Series will begin in May with the BMW PGA Championship at Wentworth, which is one of the biggest tournaments, if not the biggest tournament on the European Tour, will be followed by two tournaments in July, the Whitewood Duty Free, Irish open by Corey McElroy Foundation at Port Stewart, and the Aberdeen Asset Management Scottish Open at Don Donald. The fourth tournament in that Rolex series next year will be the Italian Open at the Olgiata Golf Club in Rome in October. One of the final three Rolex series events will be in November on the press of the Turkish Airlines Open at Redenum Caria Golf Inspire Resort, the Nibank Golf Challenge at Sun City in South Africa, and the DP World Tour Championship, and Dubai and the Jumeirah Golf Estates. But also, now, the event members, including... Those who have graduated from the Challenge Tour qualifying school will now have a greater chance of retaining their European Tour cards for the 2018 season through a newly established access list, which will run through 2017. That access list will be currently running with the race to Dubai, but will exclude money earned at the most lucrative tournaments of the European Tour season, which is the seven Rolex Series events, the Masters the PGA Championship, and the four World champ- Golf Championships. That money earned at the Open and the US Open Championships will be included as all members have an equal opportunity to pre-qualify for those tournaments. So that means that the top 10 on that access list at the end of the season, not otherwise exempt from the final race to Dubai, will retain their cards for the following season. So those are the 10 cards that you were mentioning. So consequently, the number of players retaining the full membership from the Race to July will be reduced from 110 to 1 to 100, with the access list players being given a category immediately below the top 100 category. For it.
0: Yeah, it's uh, Keith Kelly. He's at it again. Uh, you know, changing things up when uh, you got the Champions Tour and the LPGA Tour and the uh, PGA tour that have these playoffs and you know they had kind of a pull play- their own playoff with the race of Dubai. Now they're gonna go to something else. I I think it's a good deal. I you know I like it a lot. I, I you know he's gotta get the purses up in some of these the tournaments to get these guys to stay in play. So I, I think it's a home run. I, I like it a lot. Good for him.
1: I definitely I'll tell you he's pushing the envelope and that's why I said that J Monahan has a tough, tough job to to do right now. Hey Let's go now to our final putts, and I'm going to start talking about the Zurich Classic of New Orleans, who will, which will be switching over to a two-man team event in 2017, becoming the PGA Tour's first team event in 40 years, according to the Golf Channel. The Golf Channel's George Samarikas reported that the event will feature 80 teams of two. Both members of the winning team will receive a two-year tour exemption and 400 FedEx Cup points for each member of the winning team. The top 80 qualifiers will be allowed to choose their own teammate, but that partner must have at least some PGA Tour status this season or be invited by a sponsor. has also reported that play will include one round of foursomes and one round of four balls before the 36th hole cut. Also, the last time that Ian Poulter competed in Australia, that was back in 2013. When he finished runner-up in the J.B. Ware, Australian Masters and an event where he had won two years earlier in Melbourne. Now, the popular Englishman is returning to join former champion Adam Scott, heading down again down under for 14th time in his career to tee it up at the Australian PGA Championship on the Gold Coast. This season has been a challenging year for him with a foot injury that sidelined him, but Australia has seen him produce some excellent results over the years. In his last trip to Australia, Bolter went head-to-head with Adam Scott at the 2013 Australian Masters, where he eventually finished further up Bolter, as you all know, is a popular player with fans and will add some color to the tournament, which is now building a festival atmosphere.
0: Yeah, it's good to see him getting around and playing a little bit. You know, he was out with injury most of the year, so he hasn't played a lot this year, so he might as well play this fall. And so he's traveling around the world a little bit and, and playing pretty decent excuse me. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, the Zurich classic there going to a two main event. Uh Jeff Babinell had tweeted earlier uh, this week that uh, a couple of the teams uh already uh Jason Day along with Ricky Fowler and Justin Rose along with Henrik Stenson. Uh that should be fun. Hey uh, Carlos, uh, in my final putts here tonight, um Donald Trump is not the only wealthy golf course owner that was seeking political office last week. Jim Justice, who owns the Greenbrier, won the election to become the governor of the West, by God, Virginia last week. Uh, Justin has made his millions in agriculture and will now lead the state. I wonder if he's going to pass out money like he did at the Greenbrier Classic a couple years ago. That was, that was fun. Um, from why the professional golf is such a big deal folder – uh, I received a press release today from the Memorial Tournament. Uh, officials announced that the 41st Memorial Tournament raised $2.166 million for charitable organizations in Central Ohio, including a record-setting $1.676 million for Nationwide Children's Hospital through an alliance with the Nicholas Children's Healthcare Foundation. Since first playing in 1976, the Memorial has eclipsed $27 million in donations to Central Ohio charities, with more than $16.5 million going to the Nationwide Children's Hospital. That is some serious money generated from a professional golf tournament. The LPGA in Canadian golf lost one of its best last week, as Don Cole Jones succumbed to cancer at the young age of 56. We wish your family and friends our condolences. And now that the lag putts have been completed, it's finally time for my tap-in. And I have an extremely important golf tip for this week, college. you was always close. To this is really important. It's going to improve your game. Did you ever see Let me, let me write 60- it. Hold on.
1: Let me, let me write okay. it. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. I'm writing. Well, I don't know. You
0: know, you talked about Ian Poulter. I don't know if you happen to see the pictures that Ian posted last week on Twitter of two innocent cell phones that had been completely destroyed. Um, by an irate pro when he hit his golf bag with a club during the old classic at Mayakoba. Poulter swears he was not the culprit but did not identify the guilty party. My golf tip is this. Don't hit your golf bag after you miss a shot. You may have an expensive watch or other valuable stuff in there. Just throw the offensive golf club down the fairway preferably in the direction you're walking so you can nonchalantly pick it up on your way to the next shot. Also, this is very important too, if you're playing in the south, never throw it in a water hazard. There may be alligators and snakes in there. So think before you swing or throw your club in anger, Carlos. This is really important stuff.
1: Roy McIlroy, there you have it. Remember, it's not to the water, it's to the fairway. Okay, Rory? <laughs> keep, it, keep it to the fairway, straight up. all the, Preferably, way. All the Preferably in the direction you're walking. Yes. Yeah, so you Tommy Bolt is... Just he, pick Tommy it up. Ball I is. just wanted to pick it up later. You know, I just, yep. That's why yeah. it's there.
0: Tommy Bolt was famous for that. He said, I never threw a club uh, in a direction I wasn't going because then I could
1: easily pick it up on my way.
0: You know, you got, you got okay. to get your attention once in a while. you got to throw them once in a while, but, you know, make it easy on yourself.
1: Oh, definitely. I, I totally agree. I mean, and that way you know you're saying no, that was the direction I wanted the ball to be going. So I'm just exactly. making the club aware that was where I was exactly. aiming. Not exactly. where the was aiming. Not it was. Reinforcing it. I got, got it. it. I got it. Got it. Okay. Excellent. Excellent advice. One of the best tap ins you'll ever hear. <laughs> and, uh, most definitely. I totally and Ian Poulter, you know why I know he wasn't the one? He was in the culprit because he photographed it with his phone. He,
0: yeah, he was exactly. Yeah.
1: So that's why. But that player is going to have to. He's,
0: he's going to have to buy a new phone for himself and for his caddy because he got them both. It was, <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey. Back Niners, this will wrap up another week of the Back Nine Report presented by eDraft.com. Thank you for listening. It's always our pleasure to bring you the latest on the world of golf. Special thanks to our interviews this week, our very important guests all the week were Stacey Lewis and Chad Silverman. Don't forget to join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time here on Block Talk Radio. Or if you listen, check it out on iTunes or TuneIn. And if you haven't done so, Follow the show on Twitter, our IDESAT Back 9 report with the number nine in the middle. My name is Carlos Torres, along with Fred Alvader. We wish you to be happy, be blessed, hey, enjoy the great game of golf. Happy golfing, everybody. Good night, everybody.